that. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to start. Actually, our, uh, we'll go to 2 Corinthians, and we've got a couple other places to go to this morning. I want to talk to you on the idea of failing correctly. Failing correctly. If there's one thing that each one of us in this building this morning has in common, it's that we all fail. Uh, Let me just make sure we're all on the same page here. Is there anyone that's never failed at something in your life? Go ahead and raise your hand. Nobody's going to do that. So that's a true statement then that I just said. We all have the one thing in common that we all fail. Now, if you've ever attempted anything in life, you have failed at one time or another. Now, if you've never attempted anything, maybe you haven't. But let's take Paul's words here in uh, Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. Philippians 3, 13. Paul says this, Brethren, I I count not myself to not have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Paul's going to say, let me tell you guys what I do. He says, "I, I hadn't got there. I've still struggled through life. He said, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind me. You see, a problem that many have within our churches today, within life in general, is being able to put the past behind us. Look, I fail, you fail, we all fail. Okay, but Paul is saying here, I have learned to put those things behind me. Look, if you are always focusing on your failures, you'll never get beyond them. He says, this one thing I I do, I forget those things which are behind me, and I reach forth to those things that are before me, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Let us therefore, now he's fixing to offer a challenge here, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. In other words, we've got to think this way. I've got to put those failures behind me. I have to put those mistakes behind me. I have to reach forward. He says we have to have this mindset, and if in anything we be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Paul says in his letter to the Philip, uh, church at Philippi here, I have forgot my past mistakes. I forget my past failures. I've learned to put all of that behind me. You see, here's the, the, the question is, it, it's, it's not, will I fail? The question is, when will I fail? That's the question we have to address in life. Not if I will fail. Listen to me. You will fail if you attempt anything. So the question is not, will I fail? The question is, when will I fail? You know, no one has ever achieved anything of greatness without first failing many times. Now, we've all heard of Charles Schultz. He's the creator of the peanut cartoon. Let me read you what Charles Schultz had to say. He said this, the success of my cartoon comes from the fact that Charlie Brown is always unsuccessful. Those of you who have read Charlie Brown, you know he never succeeds in anything he does. He says this, after all, People don't laugh at success. Readers won't laugh if Charlie Brown kicks the football through the goalpost, if he scores the winning field goal, or if he manages to get the kite off the ground while Lucy cheers him on from the sidelines. That would ruin everything, Charles Schultz said. So Charlie Brown will never kick the football through the goalpost. Charlie Brown will never fly the kite. Nor will Charlie Brown ever get a date with the cute little red-headed girl. Look, Charles Schultz understood something about life, and he understood something about failure. You see, the, that is, he understood that we connect 
with people who don't ever do everything perfect. Think about that. We connect with people who do not, do not do everything perfect. Who wants to be around a perfect person? All right, that would really make us feel bad, would it not? Look, here's the thing. Failure, uh, I may give you my definition of failure so we'll be on the same page this morning. But, and I believe most of you will agree with this definition. Failure is when I fall short of my expectations. This is going to be the definition I'm going off of this morning. Failure is when I fall short of my expectations for myself or the expectation of others concerning me. So when I have an expectation for my life and I don't reach it, I don't reach that goal, then I consider myself a failure. And also the expectations that others have of me, if I do not get to that point, then I feel like I am a failure. A simple fact is most of us, think about this, most of us had more drive and initiative when we were one or two years old than we have today. Think about that for a moment. What, what do I mean by that? Let me give you an example. When you was one year old, there are about, most, most kids start at one, month, uh, one year old, you was learning to walk, did you not? And you fail many times, did you not? But what did you do? You got back up and you tried it again and you tried it again and you tried it again. You had more initiative at one year old than you have today because today if you fail once or twice, what do you do? You just lay there and say, I ain't going to do this no more. Same way with learning to eat. When a child is learning to eat by themselves, they take that spoon and they fill it full of mashed potatoes and it goes right in the eye or it goes up the nose. You know what I'm talking about. It goes in the ear, it goes in the hair, it goes everywhere. But what do they do? Because they have initiative, they keep trying and keep trying till that spoonful of mashed potatoes hits the right spot. And again, many people have more had more initiative at that age than what they do now. Now, before jumping off in this study, I want to point out four facts about failure. First thing, the first fact is this, everybody fails. Everybody fails. Now, in his book, you know, Failing Forward, John Maxwell says this, if at first you don't succeed, you're running about average. Okay? Keep that in mind. The second thing is nobody enjoys failing. I, I will assure you, you know, I have never had someone come running up to me all excited and say, Pastor, Pastor, rejoice in, with me. I have just failed in that endeavor I was trying to do. Have you ever ran up to somebody and said, so rejoice with me, I failed. No, why? Because nobody enjoys failing. And the third thing is anybody can learn to fall or fail correctly. Look, just as you learn to ride a bike, just like you learn to swim, anyone can learn to handle failure in a positive way. And that's what we've got to learn to do. And the fourth thing is somebody needs to teach people how to fail forward. Okay, how to fail correctly. And that's what I want to attempt to do this morning. I, I want you to see that not only have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but all have failed and fallen short of the expectations of themselves, the expectations of others and the expectation of God. We all we all have. You see. The difference, uh, the major difference between average people and achieving people is their, uh, their perspective and their response to failure. That's the difference. Look, now, is it possible, is it possible to respond to failure in a correct way? 
Now, we're talking here, you know, about a way that's going to that's going to benefit us in spite of our failings. Another question, is it possible, as with Paul, to forget our past failures and move forward to the goal that's before us? Well, I want to assure you the answer to both of these questions is yes. Yes, it is. And I want to tell you how it's possible for even you who have a problem, who may have a problem, moving past your past failures, that you can learn to put that past behind you and move forward in your walk with the Lord to the goal that He has placed before you. Now, I remember when I was about, I don't know, I guess around five or six years old, I got one of those blow-up clowns. How many of you remember the blow-up clowns that had the sand in the bottom? You remember that thing? You could hit it, and it would fall down, and what would it do? Pop back up. You could hit that thing, and it'd fall down and, and pop back up. You know, you could hit it as hard as you want, and it would come right back. You could sit on that thing, which I did many times, and you could beat the devil out of that sucker, okay? Just beat the devil out of it, and when you, when you rolled off to get up, guess what? It beat you back up. Yeah, it was standing up before you did. Now, why was this pop-up clown, this plastic clown, able to pop back up because it had that sand in the bottom that, that gave it a sure foundation. And that foundation allowed that clown, no matter how much of a beating it took, to pop back up. You know what? There's some people that's worse than a pop-up clown, okay? A plastic clown. Because they've never learned to pop back up. You see, if a plastic clown can pop back up, surely you can. Surely you can. You know, we may fall, but, you know, we must learn to pop back up and keep moving forward to that goal. Again, I fail, you fail, all God's people fail. You see, it's just that some have learned to pop back up and continue on regardless of their failure. You know, it's kind of like the runner. Uh, Mike, Mike's been running in marathons, okay? And I hope, uh, you know, luckily he hadn't failed yet. But have you ever seen some of these races? You know, the, the, these runners, they're, they're running and they're putting all their effort into it and they fall during the middle of the race. How many of you have seen that happen, you know? They fall during the middle of the race and what do they do? They just lay there and they start crying until somebody comes picks them up, right? No. What do they do? They get right back up. And they finish the race. Now there may be blood coming down their leg from their knee all, you know, beat up and tore up and ripped up. There may be blood coming from their nose where they fell flat on their face. But what do they do? They get up and they continue the race. Listen, church, when we fail, we've got to do the same thing. We've got to pop back up, you know, just like that plastic clown, just like that runner, and we've got to continue in the race. We've got to continue going on. Paul could forget past failures and move on because he understood five things of which I want to show you this morning. Flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to show you five things here in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4 that Paul said, if you will do these things, you can put those past failures behind you. You can move forward in your race with the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. Let's look at Paul's words here. But we have this treasure in earthly vessels, that the excellency of the power 
uh, may be of God and not of us. So if you're going to have the power to do this, the strength to do this, the ability to do this, understand it comes from God. Okay? Verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body uh, of, uh, of the dying of our Lord Jesus Christ that the life also of Jesus might be uh, made manifest in our body. The first thing we see here is this. Paul realized that God is our only source of strength. Look, you must realize that the strength and ability to overcome your failures is going to come from God. What did he say in verse 7? But we have this treasure in earthly vessels that the excellency of our power is from God. It's from God. You have to depend on God for your strength. You know, what, what, what Paul is saying here is, God is the source of my strength, not a source. God is the sand in my feet. No matter how much they hit on me, no matter how much they strike me, no matter how much they abuse me, I can always pop up because Jesus is constantly my source of power. Jesus is constantly my source of strength. Jesus is constantly my foundation. And because of that, you can pop back up. And you will pop back up if you depend upon Him. The second thing we see here is Paul refused to allow difficulties on the outside to get inside of him. You see, look what he says in verse 8. We're troubled on every side. Think about that. Paul is saying, I mean, guys, I'm troubled on every side. It just always seems to hit me from every side. But what's he saying? But I'm not distressed. I'm not distressed. He says, we're perplexed. But I'm not in despair. Look. It's not what happens to you. It's what happens in you that counts. You hear what I'm saying there? It's not what happens to you. We're all going to experience these things in our life. But it's what happens in you that counts. The third thing is Paul continued on without understanding everything that was happening to us. We'll never understand everything that's happening to us. We'll never understand why I'm having to go through what I'm going through. And Paul understood that. He said in verse uh, 3 there, uh, verse 8b, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. What's he saying? Oh, I'm perplexed. I don't understand this. I don't understand why I'm going through the things I'm going through. I don't understand why I'm getting thrown in prison. I don't understand why I'm getting, you know, uh, a, a prisoner on ship and how almost drowning. I don't understand why I'm getting snake bit all the time. He says, I don't understand this. I'm perplexed, but I am not in despair. I can keep on. Keep and go. One, one of the hardest things to do is to trust God even when we don't understand Him. Okay? And, and, and here's something that you may not know. I'm, I, if you don't know or learn anything this morning, learn this. The word uh-oh is not in God's vocabulary. Now, what do I mean by the word uh-oh is not in God's vocabulary? What I mean there, folks, is this. That God never makes no mistake. And God is never blindsided by anything that happens in our life. Okay? So God will not sit back when something happens to you and say, Uh-oh, I missed that one. Uh-oh, I didn't see that one coming. Understand that. Look. Charles Spurgeon 
said this. God is too good to be unkind. He is too wise to be confused. If I cannot trace his hand, I can always, I can always trust his heart. We'll never understand all the ways of God. We'll never understand why God's allowing us to go through some things in our life. But Spurgeon says, you know, when I can't trace his hand, I can always trust his heart. The fourth thing is Paul knew that God was with him during those tough times. He says in verse 9, I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. God has not forsaken me. Listen, whatever it is you're going through in life, whatever failure you're experiencing in your life, please understand, you know, God is not forsaking you. He is still there. You see, it's in those hard times that we learn not only to trust God, but also we can learn lessons from God. You know, in, the rough, in rough seas, the helmsman knows just how tight uh, uh, to, to, uh, to keep his hand on that helm and keep his eye on the compass if a ship is to survive the great storm that it's going through. And the same is true for you and me. In those trouble and trials, In those rough seas of life, we must learn to look to Jesus and hold tight to the course that he has placed us on, that he has laid out for us. The fifth thing is Paul didn't allow the event to overshadow the process. Now, what do I mean by that? He says, I'm cast down, but I'm not destroyed. Paul understood that just as success is a process, so is failure. You know, no one wakes up one morning and just all of a sudden they're a success. Why? Because it's a process that a person has to go through. It takes, it takes a while. And no one ever wakes up and is a failure, okay? Let me, let me give you an example here. Walt Disney was turned down 302 times, you know, before he finally got financing for his dream of Walt Disney World. 302 times people said no. Now, do you think he felt like a failure before that 302 times, I guarantee you he did. That maybe I'm, I, you know, maybe this vision I have, this goal I have will never come to pass. Not only that, Colonel Sanders, the chicken man, Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, he was rejected a thousand and nine times. A thousand and nine times before finding a taker for his chicken recipe. Now look at Colonel Sanders. You know what he did? You know what Walt Disney did? They were knocked down. But they was a plastic clown. They popped back up. 302 times Walt Disney popped back up. Finally, he was successful. 1,009 times Colonel Sanders popped back up and finally had success. That's what I mean by success is not an event. It's a process that takes time. And the same is true with failure. No one wakes up one morning and says, I'm a failure. Failure doesn't happen overnight it's a process too and the process of one becoming a failure is a a person who constantly gets knocked down but they do not make it a point to bounce back up and after a while of being knocked down and laying there sucking your thumb in a in a fetal position refusing to pop back up after the process you become a failure Paul understood that everything he was going through was a process God was using to bring him to maturity. And listen, those times you feel like a failure, those times you get knocked down, those times that, you know, somebody just sits on you and beats the devil out of you like I used to do that plastic clown. God can use those events in your life 
to grow you and mature you. And you don't know you may help be able to help someone later in life. And an important step in falling correctly is this. Say goodbye to last night. Okay? Say goodbye to yesterday because yesterday ended last night. Look, I don't care what happened to you yesterday. At 12.01 this morning is a new day. Okay? Yesterday is gone. Yesterday is in the past. Now we've got to bounce back up and move forward. Two perspectives that enabled Paul to fail correctly. Uh, look at uh, 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 2. Flip over there, 2 Corinthians 7. Paul had a grace perspective, okay? He had a grace perspective. He said this in 2 Corinthians 7, 2. Make room in your hearts for us. Now, now think about this. Paul is asking people at, at, at Corinth, make room in your heart for me. Open your heart up. Let me be a part of your life. He says this, we wronged no one. We corrupted no one. We took advantage of no one. Now, that's Paul saying that. Hey, like me. Let me be your friend. Open up your heart to me. You know, I haven't wronged anyone. I haven't, I haven't you know, corrupted anyone. I haven't took advantage of anyone. Let me in to your life. Now, think about that for a moment. How could Paul make such a statement that he had wronged no one? How could Paul make such a statement that he had corrupted no one? How could Paul make such a statement that he took advantage of no one? Remember, this is Paul who had put Christians in prison. This is Paul who had killed many Christians. And now he's saying, open up your heart to me. How many of us here this morning would open up our heart to someone who has wronged us? How many of us here this morning could, 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 could open up our heart like with Paul asking these people who had killed many of their friends and family to open up your heart to me. You know what most of us would do? They'd grab a two-by-four and bust them right upside the head, wouldn't we? And Paul is saying, I haven't wronged no one. What do you mean, Paul? You killed Christians. I, I, I haven't corrupted no one. Yeah, you did because you caused other people who, who you know, you was looking up to you. You know, you corrupted them because they started killing Christians. Well, why don't you put all that behind you and just open up your heart to me? <laughs> yeah, right, huh? Yeah, right. Look, because he had, because Paul had this grace perspective, he understood that it's by grace we're saved. It's by grace we're saved through faith, not of yourself, not of any works. At least someone could boast. But you know what? Even those same works, of killing Christians, imprisoning Christians, Paul understood because Paul had this grace perspective that God had forgiven him of that. And now others had to understand that God had forgiven him of that. Look, no matter what Paul had done in the past, he knew that the grace of God would forgive it all, had forgiven it all, and overridden it. Now turn to uh, Acts chapter 9. Flip back to her a few pages of uh, uh, books and turn to Acts chapter 9. Look at verse 15. Because not only did Paul have this grace perspective and understood that grace would cover a multitude of sins, that's why he was able to look at people who he had wronged and said, open up your heart to me. Open up your heart to me. 
But he also had a God perspective. Look what he says in Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Now look at verse 16. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my sake. You see, Paul knew going into this Christian thing that he was going to suffer some things because God told him he would. Look, just because you come a, become a Christian, just because you get saved, don't mean uh, that, that the Christian life, that life in general, would now be a bed of roses. Even if it was, them roses have thorns, okay? So you're still going to get stuck. Look, when we have a God perspective, we understand that God's will includes setbacks, that God's will includes hardships. That's what God said here. But we have to trust His will. Paul understood that hardships and setbacks were all a part of following God. However, Paul never looked at those setbacks, he never looked at those hardships and said, I must have done something wrong. And isn't that what we do many times? When we're going through hardships, when we're going through setbacks, we say, I must have sinned and God is punishing me. I must have done something wrong and God is after me. Paul understood that was not the case. Why could he uh, live his life that way? Because he had a God perspective, and for this reason, he didn't see failures as something negative. Look, you've got to stop at looking at failures in your life as something negative. It's not. It's something we all go through. Rather, it's a fact of life and something that you know we can learn from and we can grow stronger through. Paul learned that even when he failed, God was there cheering him on, and you must understand the same. Look, God is much more pleased. Think about this. He's much more pleased with a person uh, uh, who tries and fails than he is with a person who never tries at all. Look, God will be more pleased with you if you try something and you fail and you fail and you fail and you fail. You get back up, you try again, you fail again, you get back up and you try again. God is more pleased with you with a life like that than a person who says, I'm not going to try nothing. I'm not going to try nothing. Look, a little boy was reading a book one day, and it was one of those cowboy series. And, you know, like with all the other books in this series, the, the hero, you know, was once again in trouble. And the boy began to read the book, and he got more and more intense. And as the hero got more and more in trouble, he just couldn't stand it no more. So what the boy did, he did like some people do. He went to the back of the book to see how this thing was going to end. And when he seen that the hero would prevail once again, he went back to where he had left off, and he began reading. And knowing the hero would prevail, he began cheering him on. He began cheering him on. He began saying to the hero, don't quit, don't quit. If you only knew what I knew, you would keep on going. You know what? That's what God is saying to me and you when we fail. Keep on keeping on if you only knew what I know. You see, God knows what's going to be the outcome if you bounce back up. Even if you fail again, he knows what's going to be the outcome. 
And he's there cheering you on when you fail. He's there cheering you on when you fall. He's there cheering you on when you go through these trials and troubles in your life because he knows the outcome. Look, some of you may have been saved for a number of years and and you're not exercising your spiritual gift. You're not involved in ministry because maybe one time a few years ago you you tried and and, and you fell short of your expectations and therefore now you consider yourself a, a, a failure and rather than bouncing back up like a plastic clown, you've chose to sit in the pew and do nothing at all because you're afraid you're gonna fail again. Look, what if? When you was around one year old, okay, and you began learning to walk, think about this. You began learning to walk, and, and, and you failed two or three times, and you decided, I ain't doing this again. I ain't doing this again. I'm tired of these knots on my head. I'm tired of these scrapes on my knees. The heck with this walking thing. I'm just going to crawl the rest of my life. Look at here. At one or two, you understood. Remember I said a while ago, most people have more initiative at one or two than they have now. But you understood if you was ever going to walk, you had to get back up no matter how many times you fail. You understood that. So what did you do? Every time you'd fall, you'd get back up. You'd take two or three steps, you'd fall, you'd get back up. You'd take four or five steps, you'd fall and bust your head against the wall. You'd cry for a minute, and you'd get back up. Look here, think about this. If you hadn't have had that initiative at one year old learning to walk, and you just said, the heck with this walking thing, I'm going to crawl the rest of my life, you would have looked pretty silly crawling across the stage at your high school graduation to get your diploma while all the other kids were walking across the stage. I don't know, maybe you was hurt in church at one time or another, and because of that, you don't even want to go back because you're afraid others are going to look at you as a failure. Maybe there's some here that you've thought about becoming a Christian, but you said, you know, I want to stop doing these bad things in my life before I become a Christian because... If I don't stop doing these bad things before I become a Christian, I may fail as a Christian and other people are going to look at me as a failure. Going to look at me as a failure. You don't want to make that commitment to Christ and then slip up and have God and others see you as a failure. Listen, that's just what Satan wants you to think because that mentality will keep a person from ever coming to Christ. Let me give you a word of uh, wisdom here. You'll never be good enough to come to Christ. Okay? You'll never be good enough to come to Christ. He wants you just the way you are. A sinner with weak weaknesses, with faults, and with sin in your life. That's how he wants you. You'll never clean up your act good enough for God to say, all right, I'll go ahead and accept you this way. Again, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, It's by grace we're saved through faith and not of any works. At least anyone could boast that I got to heaven because I was such a good person. Folks, it's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. You know, it's easy to quit when it seems that we fail. 
But listen, it's at that time in our life, we have to look to God. You're here this morning and you feel like you're a failure. You're here this morning and you've been knocked down. It feels like someone set on you like I used to do, that clown, and just beat the devil out of you. And you've just laid there. Paul says it's time to bounce back up. We've got to bounce back up. Well, Pastor, what if tomorrow they knock me down again? Tomorrow, get back up. Next week, get back up. It's a process. It's a part of life. And if we're ever going to be successful, we've got to get back up. Let's pray.